Matched. Written by Ali Condi. Please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also help support the channel by checking out my Patreon. The link is down below in the description. Thank you, and happy listening. Chapter 25 Our time together feels like a storm, like wild wind and rain, like something too big to handle but too powerful to escape. It blows around me and tangles my hair, leaves water on my face, makes me know that I am alive, alive, alive. There are moments of calm and pause as there are in every storm, and moments when our words fork lightning, at least for each other. We hurry up the hill together, touching hands, touching trees, talking. Kai has things to tell me, and I have things to tell him, and there is not enough time, not enough time, never enough time. There are people who call themselves archivists, Kai says. Back when the Hundred Committee made their selections, the archivists knew the works that didn't get selected would become a commodity. So they saved some of them. The archivists have illegal ports, ones they've built themselves for storing things. They saved the Thomas poem I brought you. I had no idea, I say, touched. I never thought that someone might think far enough ahead to save some of the poems. Did Grandfather know this? It doesn't seem like he did. He never gave them his poems to save. Kai puts his hand on my arm. Cassia, the archivists aren't altruistic. They saw a commodity and they did what they could to preserve it. Anyone can have it who's willing to pay, but their prices are high. He stops as though he's revealed too much, that this poem cost him something. What did you trade with them? I ask, suddenly afraid. As far as I know, Kai has two things of value, his artifact and the words of the Do Not Go Gentle poem. I don't want him to give up the artifact, his last tie to his family. And for some reason, the thought of our poem being traded repulses me. Selfishly, I don't want just anyone to have it. I realize that I'm not much better than the officials in this regard. Something, he says, and his eyes are amused. Don't worry about the price. Your artifact. Don't worry, I didn't trade that. I didn't trade our poem either. But Cassia, if you ever need to, they don't know about the poem. I asked how many Dylan Thomas writings they had and they didn't have much. The birthday poem and a story, that was all. If I ever need to what? Trade, he says carefully. Trade for something else. The archivists have information, connections. You could tell them one of the poems your grandfather gave you. He frowns. Although proving authenticity might be a problem, since you don't have the original paper, still, I'm sure they would be worth something. I'd be too afraid to trade with people like that, I say. And then I wish I hadn't. I don't want Kai to think I get scared easily. They're not completely evil, he says. I'm trying to get you to see that they're no better or worse than anyone else. No better or worse than the officials. You have to be careful with the archivists the same way you have to be careful with everyone else. Where would I find them? I ask him, frightened by his need to let me know this. What does he think is going to happen? Why does he think I might need to know how to sell our poem? The museum, he tells me. Go to the basement and stand in front of the exhibit about the glorious history of Oria province. No one ever goes there. If you stay long enough, someone will ask you if you want them to tell you more about the history. You say yes. They'll know you want contact with an archivist. How do you know this? I ask him, surprised again at all the ways he knows how to survive. He shakes his head. 
it's better if I don't tell you. What if someone goes there who really does want to know more about the history? Kai laughs. No one ever does, Cassia. No one here wants to know anything about the past. We hurry on, hands still touching through the branches. I hear Kai humming a piece of one of the hundred songs, the one we heard together. I love that one, I say, and he nods. The woman who sings it has such a beautiful voice. If only it were real, he says. What do you mean? I ask him. He looks at me, surprised. Her voice, she's not real. It's generated, the perfect voice, like all of the singers in all of the songs. Didn't you know that? I shake my head, disbelieving. That can't be right. When she's singing, I can hear her breathe. That's part of it, Kai says, his eyes distant, remembering something. They know that we like to feel that things are authentic. We like to hear them breathe. How do you know? I've heard real people singing, he says. So have I, at school. And my father sang to me. No, he says. I mean, singing out as loud as you can, whenever you felt like it. I've heard people sing like that, but not here. And even the most beautiful voice in the world didn't sound anywhere near as perfect as that voice in the music hall. For a split second, I imagine him at home in that landscape he has drawn for me, listening to others sing. Kai glances up at the sun blinking through the trees above us. He's gauging the time. He trusts the sun more than his watch. I've noticed this. As he stands there, shielding his eyes with one hand, another line from the Thomas poem comes to mind. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight. I would like to hear Kai sing. Kai reaches into his pocket, pulls out my birthday poem. Do you know it well enough yet? I know what he's saying. It's time to destroy the poem. It's dangerous to keep it for too long. Yes, I say. But let me look at it one more time. I read it over and look back up at Kai. It's not as sad to destroy this one, I say, telling him and reminding myself. Other people know it. It still exists somewhere else. He nods at me. Do you want me to take it home and incinerate it? I ask. I thought we could leave it here, he says. Bury it, in the ground. I'm reminded of planting with Xander, but this poem has nothing tied to it. It's severed. Neat and clean from where it came. We know the name of the author. We don't know anything about him. Don't know what he wanted the poem to mean. What he thought when he formed the words. How he wrote it. That long ago, were there scribes? I can't remember from the hundred history lessons. Or did he write it as Kai writes, with his hands? Did the poet know how lucky he was to have such beautiful words and a place to put them and keep them? Kai reaches for the poem. Wait. I say, let's not bury all of it. I hold out my hand for the paper and he gives it to me, smoothing it flat over my palm. There's not much to the poem. It's small, one verse. It will be easily buried. I tear carefully along the line that talks about the birds. Birds and the birds of the winged trees flying my name. I tear it smaller, smaller, until the pieces are tiny and light. Then I toss them into the breeze to let them fly for a moment. They are so small that I don't see where most of them settle, but one lands soft on a branch near me. Perhaps a real bird will use it for a nest, will tuck it away from everyone else, as I have the other Thomas poem. We do know about the author, I realize as Kai and I bury the rest of the paper. We know him through his words. And someday I will have to share the poems. I know it.
and someday I will have to tell Xander what is happening here on the hill. But not yet. I burned poetry before to be safe. I can't do it now. I hold tight to the poetry of our moments together, protecting them, protecting us, all of us. Tell me about your match banquet, Kai says another time. He wants me to tell him about Xander? Not about Xander, he says, reading my mind and smiling that smile I love. Even now when he smiles more often, I am still greedy for it. Sometimes I reach out and touch his lips with my hand when he does it. I do that now, feel them move as he says, about you. I was nervous, excited. I stop. What did you think about? I wish I could tell him that I thought about him, but I lied to him once and I won't do it again. And besides, I wasn't thinking about Xander either. I thought about angels, I say. Angels? You know, the ones in the old stories, how they can fly to heaven. Do you think anyone believes in them anymore? He asks. I don't know. No, do you? I believe in you, he says, his voice hushed and almost reverent. That's more faith than I ever thought I'd have. We move quickly through the trees. I feel more than see that we must be nearing the top of the hill. Eventually our work here will be done and this time will be over. It doesn't take long anymore to traverse the first part of the hill. Everything is tamped down and well marked, and we know where we are going, at least initially. But there is still unexplored territory left. There are still things to discover. For that I am grateful. I'm so grateful that I wish I did believe in angels, so that I could express my gratitude to someone or something. Tell me more, Kai says. I wore a green dress. Green, he says, glancing back at me. I've never seen you in green. You've never seen me in anything but brown or black, I tell him. Brown plain clothes, black swimwear. I flush. I take back what I said, he says later as the whistle blows. I have seen you in green. I see you in green every day, here in the trees. The next day I ask him, can you tell me why you cried in the showing that day? You saw me? I nod. I couldn't help it. His gaze is distant, hard now. I didn't know they had footage like that. It could have been my village. It was definitely one of the outer provinces. Wait. I think of the people, dark shadows running. You're saying this was real, he finished. Yes, those aren't actors. It's not a stage. It happens in all the outer provinces, Cassia. When I left, it was happening more and more. Oh no. The whistle will blow soon, I can tell. He knows too. But I reach for him and hold on here in the forest where the trees screen us and the bird calls cover our voices. The entire hill is complicit in our embrace. I pull away first because I have something to write before our time ends. I've been practicing in air, but I want to carve in earth. Close your eyes, I say to Kai, and I bend down, his breathing above me while he waits. There, I say, and he looks at what I've written. I love you. I feel embarrassed, as though I am a child who has tapped out these words on her scribe and held them out for a boy in her first school class to read. My writing is awkward and straggly and not smooth like Kai's. Why are some things easier to write than say? Still, I feel undeniably brave and vulnerable as I stand there in the forest with words that I cannot take back. My first written words, other than our names. It's not much of a poem, but I think Grandfather would understand. Kai looks at me. For the first time since the showing, I see tears in his eyes. 
You don't have to write it back, I say, feeling self-conscious. I just wanted you to know. I don't want to write it back, he tells me. And then he says it, right out there on the hill, and of all the words I have hidden and saved and treasured, these are the ones I will never forget, the most important ones of all. I love you. Lightning. Once it has forked, hot white from sky to earth, there is no going back. It's time. I feel it. I know it. My eyes on him, his on me, and both of us breathing, watching, tired of waiting. Kai closes his eyes, but mine are still open. What will it feel like, his lips on mine? Like a secret told, a promise kept. Like that line in the poem, a shower of all my days, silvery rain falling all around me, where the lightning meets the earth. The whistle blows below us and the moment breaks. We are safe. For now.